The reason I've never blown up an account is because I've always asked myself this question, what else could go wrong that I'm not seeing? You know, what would happen if the market crashed 30% overnight? What would happen if this stock went bankrupt? What would happen if trading was suspended on this exchange for a number of days or weeks? What would happen if all of these scenarios? By thinking beyond the backtest into some scenarios like this, you set yourself up for a much more stable, um, much more uh, successful trading career. And I don't think enough traders do that. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. My name is Andrew Wilkinson. I am very pleased to have with me today Adrian Reed, who's the founder of Enlightened Stock Trading all the way from Australia. Welcome, Adrian. How are you? Andrew, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. Now, you're going to talk about a, a topic that I, I really appreciated in the 90s as I watched uh, the growth of prop trading, proprietary trading, and hedge funds, and the turtles and all those kind of guys grow. And they did something called systematic trading. Just enlighten us a little bit, Adrian. Tell us about systematic trading and what the topic of today's podcast is. Sure, Andrew. Thanks so much. You're right. Systematic trading has been around for, for a long time now and really popularized initially by, by the turtles, I, sus I suspect. What systematic trading is, is essentially rules-based trading. What we do is we put rules in place that completely remove the subjectivity from our trading decisions. And this is super important as we'll see as we get into the discussion because as humans, we're not really wired mentally to be great traders. And so we have to put some rules in place to get around our human shortcomings. So systematic trading, it doesn't have to be complex. It's not necessarily rocket science or, or particle physics. It's all about simple rules that take advantage of uh, known market biases, known market behaviors and they identify when that behavior starts, when it stops to get you in and out with a you know, positive expectation of profit, essentially. Does that make sense? Taking the emotion out of everything, right? Absolutely, because the emotion is one of the biggest killers in, uh, in tr of trading results. Because as humans, you know, we're emotional beings, but when we step into the financial world, that emotion absolutely doesn't serve us. And we've got to find a way to, to remove the emotion so we can make objective clinical decisions in the in the financial markets. Okay, Adrian. So let, let's jump straight in and, and let's ask that question that probably every trader wants to know. Why is trading so hard and what can we do about it? <laughs> it is it is hard. It's I mean it's one of the unfortunate realities of the trading life. We come to the financial markets initially, at least most people, thinking, wow, you know, stocks go up, stocks go down, futures go up, futures go down. If I just buy low, sell high, I can make money and I'll be rich. But the reality is is vastly different. And it's for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, let's touch on on the the emotion. When humans evolved, we evolved with instincts that kept us alive. And those instincts did things like um, raise when when something happened that would scare us. You know, a, a lion or a tiger, a wild animal. Our emotions would go up. We would get an injection of cortisol, a stress hormone, into our system. Blood would rush to the extremities. We'd get ready to fight or uh, or run, and um, the blood would drain from our brain because we weren't interested in making decisions at that point. What we were interested in doing is surviving, surviving the physical threat. 
Now, fast forward to today in the financial markets, we have something that causes fear, losses, volatility, etc. And those uh, now non-physical threats, their financial threats, cause the same physical reaction in our bodies. So emotion goes up, intelligence goes down, makes it very hard to make good financial decisions. And so we make emotionally driven decisions and we lose money. So the emotion is the critical thing. Secondly, we have all of these biases, psychological biases that affect our ability to make good decisions, right? So there's, I mean, there's, there's countless, dozens of cognitive biases. Uh, loss aversion is, a, is probably one of the big ones that affects traders. So for example, the pain of losing $100 is more than the pleasure of gaining $100. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you think about having a position in a market, if it goes down by $100, we feel that in a magnified way compared to if the, um, the position goes in our favor. And that means we're more likely to, to, to behave badly as traders when it comes to, to losses than it is to gains. So if we, it, it leads ultimately to the um, small gains, big losses sort of scenario, which is a account killer. So there's many reasons like this, and it's mostly psychological, that trading is very, very difficult. So let's just distinguish then between a discretionary trader and a systematic trader. Just explain the, the, the distinction between the two. But moreover, what makes for a successful discretionary trader versus a successful systematic trader? Yeah, great question. So first of all, what is a discretionary trader? Discretionary trader is someone, A, not systematic, but B, really who is looking at various different sources of information um, could be uh, news, could be fundamental information, could be information on a chart, indicators, could be all of that, and piecing together a decision on a case-by-case -case basis, essentially using weight of the evidence, like what makes sense now with all of the information I can gather and trying to make that decision. That's a very emotional trading style. Well, absolutely could be. And this is this comes to the crux of what makes a successful discretionary trader versus what makes a successful systematic trader. Because a successful discretionary trader needs to be able to take all of those sources of information, assemble them logically, create a sound and repeatable argument so that they can make a good quality decision. That means you've got to get through all of the emotion. You've got to get through, get around all of the cognitive biases that as humans we hold, and you've got to make a decision and you've got to have confidence in that decision. So to be a successful discretionary trader, you need to be exceptionally clear in the mind. You need to have dealt with a lot of your financial issues. You certainly can't afford to have any money issues or self-worth issues or anything like that. And you need to be able, be very consistent in your decision-making process. Now contrast that with a systematic trader. You can have all of this crazy th uh, these crazy things going on in your mind, but if the rules say buy, it's clearly a buy. If the rules say sell, it's clearly a sell. What's left for the trader to do is to pull the trigger and actually place that order or to take themselves out of the process entirely and automate the whole thing. So by being a systematic trader, what you're doing is you're bypassing a lot of the work that has to be done to become successful in a discretionary sense because you don't have to make those decisions consistently. The system does it for you. What you need is a good system and you need to be able to pull a trigger and execute it. So to become successful systematically, it's actually much simpler and faster. Now, Adrian, we hear the term backtesting a lot when it comes to systematic trading, but the future will not be the same as the past. You know, what's that expression? The future 
yeah. rhymes, it never repeats. Yes, that's all. But why is backtesting so useful? Yeah, backtesting is one of the most powerful tools for traders when used correctly. When used badly, it also can be destructive. But let's, you know, some, it's super powerful because it gives us an insight into what works and what doesn't. Now, we can't predict the future. That's absolutely true. However, we do have a lot of market history. We've got history of market behavior through bull market, sideways market, bear market, interest rates going up, interest rates going down, war, famine, peace, protest, violence, assassinations, all of these things. And so we have some evidence of what the market will do under certain conditions. Now, backtesting allows us to take our rules and apply it to all of the, that data and see how those rules would have performed through all of those different market conditions. Now, yes, the market tomorrow and next year will be different to what it was in the past. But if our rules never made money in the past, the chances of them miraculously turning around and making money in the future are exceedingly slim. I would say zero. But if our rules, when backtested, made money through bull markets, bear markets, sideways markets, interest rates up, interest rates down, et cetera, then we've got a much better chance of making money in the future. And as traders, what we've got to do is tilt the probabilities in our favor as much as we can. And backtesting is a super powerful tool to do that. Now, there's backtesting is a really deep subject. We're not going to be able to get into it today. Um, just one simple example is, uh, to kind of clarify a little more. A lot of people talk about over-optimization and how you could fine-tune the backtest or the, the, the rules to pass data, and then it has no predictive value. And that's absolutely true. But what if you have a system that has one, you know, a couple of simple rules, and those rules, it doesn't matter whether the, the moving average you use is a 200-day moving average or a 100-day moving average or a 300-day moving average. All of those parameter values worked in the past. The system was stable. It made money over a wide range of parameter values. That gives you huge confidence that the system will work or is more likely to work in the future because it works over a wide range of conditions in the past. That's why backtesting is so important. It gives confidence that we've actually got an edge. But there must be some pitfalls. What, what are the ones to watch out for? Some of the, the biggest pitfalls that systematic traders need to look out for? The biggest pitfalls, again, related to backtesting. The first one I would say would be overfitting. Overfitting means you, you fine-tune your rules too closely to past data. Now, we have to fine-tune our rules to some extent to capture past behavior. But when you go too far, you introduce too many variables into your, or too many rules into your, your system. You fine-tune the parameter values too much to particular trades. That's when you start le leading yourself into uh, difficult, difficult territory or troubling territory because it might look great in the past, but it won't work well in the future. You need a very generalized model. That would be the first, uh, the first pitfall. The second pitfall, I would say, would be insufficient diversification. A lot of people come into the markets and say, okay, well, I'm going to trade stocks in the S&P 500 and I'm going to use a mean reversion strategy, for example. Now, that might be great some of the time, but it won't work all of the time. So diversification across a range of different strategies, different systems is really important because no one system or strategy will make money all the time. So lack of uh, diversification would be the second pitfall. Third one is not thinking beyond the backtest. Let me give you a good example of this. It's typically in the area of risk management. You could backtest your strategy or system and, and find that it works really well with two times leverage and 
10% of your account allocated to each trade. And the equity curve looks nice and smooth, the drawdowns are low and so on. But thinking beyond the back test is asking yourself the question, what else could go wrong here that I'm not seeing in the data? And I think this is where I've managed to be uh, very successful in my own trading career, because having never blown up account, an account, the reason I've never blown up an account is because I've always asked myself this question, what else could go wrong that I'm not seeing? You know, what would happen if the market crashed 30% overnight? What would happen if this stock went bankrupt? What would happen if trading was suspended on this exchange for a number of days or weeks? What would happen if all of these scenarios? By thinking beyond the back test into some scenarios like this, you set yourself up for a much more stable, um, much more uh, successful trading career. And I don't think enough traders do that. So Adrian, you've been investing and using systems for quite some time. If you were to look over your shoulder across your trading career, what are the top three lessons, for example, that you wish you'd learned earlier and that you could impart with the audience today? Oh, wow. If I had a time machine, I would be so much wealthier. And not <laughs> and not even because I would know what stock to buy or when to, when to buy into crypto or any of those things, just because a couple of lessons make so much difference. So what's the biggest one? The biggest one would be go systematic immediately. I spent three years struggling with discretionary methods, trying to find consistency, trying to find an edge. And then I realized that my emotions were constantly getting the better of me. And that three years has cost me millions in compounding with, you know, with no exaggeration, I actually did the calculation. If I'd have got the returns from the beginning to now, as opposed to three years in when I started being systematic and got profitable to now, it is literally a seven figure number. So that's the first lesson. Go systematic immediately because you can start compounding with consistency and certainty sooner. Second lesson, trade long short. I think I probably, it would have been seven years before I took my first short trade. And that's just way too long because the market doesn't always go up. Now, yes, you can trade long only and you can be successful, but if you can make money when the market is falling, which is absolutely possible. If you can make money when the market is falling, your equity curve at the end of the bear market is higher, so that when the next bull market comes, you're in a, in a uh, you've got a higher high water mark to start compounding from. So it just even if you can make a little bit of money when the markets are falling, instead of having a 30, 40, 50 percent drawdown like most people do, then you end up in a way better spot later on. Third and final lesson: diversify and automate earlier. So you can see, you know, I was pretty slow to do certain things. I was slow to go systematic. I was slow to trade short and I was slow to diversify. I didn't, I traded only Australian stocks. I'm Australian. I traded only Australian stocks for 10 years before I went offshore. And that was a mistake. And I would say no matter which country you live in, trading only the stocks in your own country is possibly a mistake from a diversification point of view because different markets move differently. They have different personalities. They have different fundamental drivers. They have different speeds in nature of trends. So now I trade Australia, US, Hong Kong, and Canadian stocks. And the diversification you get in that is so powerful. So I would do that far sooner as well. What path would you suggest traders take when looking to become systematic or algo traders, Adrian? 
Yeah, it's, um, it's a good question. And it's challenging because in trading, there's a lot of information. Uh, and, and a lot of traders will go, oh, okay, I've discovered systematic trading. I better build my own system. And that sounds like good, uh, a, a sensible idea because, okay, it'll be mine. No one else will use it. I'll have confidence in it. But the trouble is building your own system is actually quite hard. So I think the, the path that makes the most sense and, and the path that I have seen others have um, the most success with is to find a system that clearly works. Now, it doesn't have to be the best system in the world. It doesn't have to have ultra smooth returns or very high returns. It's just got to work and get into the market systematically with a small level of risk and a small exposure. So a simple trend following system is a great place to start for many people. And just small amount of money, just get the sense for trading systematically. Once you do that, you learn so much about the uh, being a systematic trader. You know, you learn about what it means to follow rules when psychologically you really don't want to. You learn what it means about having confidence in your strategy. You learn what it means about the diversification and, and the, the level of uh, risk management you've got to have. When you've got, once you've got a system, then it's time to really learn to, to backtest and evaluate because what drives success is confidence and an edge. But to have confidence and an edge, you need to be able to backtest your strategy correctly. And backtesting doesn't mean throwing your rules into some software pressing optimize and finding the best combination out of 360,000 variables. It's actually quite a nuanced process. So spend some time to learn backtesting correctly. That will build your confidence, allow you to follow the, your, your rules through good times and bad. Once you've got a strategy and you've learned to backtest and you've built confidence in that strategy, it's time to start to diversify. Add some strategies, some systems that trade different a different underlying market behavior, mean reversion trend following, for example long, short, US market, Australian market, Hong Kong market, something like that. Start to diversify. Once you've diversified, you'll find, oh, my workload is really increasing. That's when it makes sense to automate. A lot of people come into the market and say, oh, systematic trading, I'm going to automate with a bot on day one. And it's fraught with danger because there's so many lessons you don't know yet. And if you put your, your um, systematic trading on hyperspeed before you've learned all of those lessons, guess what? You're going to have an ugly, ugly surprise. So automate once you've learned some of those lessons and you've got much more confidence in your backtesting your system. And automation then takes you out of the game, allows the trading to happen consistently, reduces the number of mistakes dramatically. Once you've automated, you're then in a position, position to diversify even further to things that naturally you wouldn't do. And so that's the process that, that I would go through. Start with a simple system. Learn to backtest and really stabilize your, 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 your strategy and your confidence. Then diversify to a couple of different strategies. Then automate so you can diversify further as your capital grows. How many different strategies might you be running uh, when you're full on? In fact, when you're not full on, if, at, at, at the minimum, when you're cruising and doing very little, how many strategies might you have on? And at the max, what are you going to have on? Uh, look, I would be running, I mean, my strategies run all the time. So all of them, but they can turn themselves on and off. So, um, in stocks, it would be a dozen strategies easily. Um, but at any one time, three or four of them might be giving signals and that, that will vary quite a bit from day to day, month to month. Um, in crypto, I've got, uh, nine strategies. Uh, and a couple of variations of those nine. 
So the thing is, once you're automated, it's very easy to start to add, you know, some 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 variations to uh, to get a bit of extra diversity without any extra effort, really. So, uh, what about a currency strategy? I don't actually trade currencies, so that's uh, currencies and futures is yeah, currencies and futures is an area that I want to push into. Um, I guess I've probably been too busy with the teaching side of my work to do right. a whole lot on the development side of my work in the last couple of years, but I definitely want to um, add some systematic approaches to currencies and futures. I always was of the belief, you know, my, my understanding was that that currencies trend very well, particularly, you know, for short-term strategy. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. I think you probably need to go to a smaller bar size than daily for that to really be true. And oh, I, absolutely. I mean, you're talking one minute. And I've only um, I've only really worked on the daily time frame because, uh, well, for a whole variety of reasons, I guess. But you know, I had a day job when I first started, and then when I didn't, when I didn't have a day job, I um, I didn't have automation, and so I wasn't really interested in sitting at the screen watching things unfold. But now that I'm comfortable with the concept of automation, which was another thing I, you know, I was slow to to, to do, you know, I think that opens that up. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said in the same breath, uh, futures as well. You're not doing those. No, I don't trade futures. I have, but I don't at the moment. And I look. I think it's a. I think it's an important part of a diversified, systematic portfolio. It's just a matter of time and time and energy. Adrian, this has been an excellent primer on how to evaluate and look at systems thank you very much for joining me today and i think just for the for the benefit of the audience we'll probably have a couple of live webinars with adrian before the end of 2023 and if you can't wait to attend those i, I would encourage you to go and have a look at the ibkrcampus.com and under the contributors look for adrian under enlightened stock trading we've got four webinars recorded there they're all wonderful commentaries from adrian uh, with me as the host there and they if you if you access any of them there's a great pdf download for you to just dive straight into if you want and you're welcome to watch the recording so adrian you'll be with us uh, online again before the end of the year looking forward to it i can't wait to do the next webinar um, we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks time so looking forward to that so folks go to ibcalwebinars.com to register uh, adrian reed founder at Enlightened Stock Trading. Thank you so much for getting up so early in Australia this morning to join me. Andrew, thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye for now, folks. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, Financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news. Market-related courses at tradersacademy.online. And quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. 
dollars. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary. Seek professional advice. There's a substantial risk of loss in foreign exchange trading. The settlement date of foreign exchange trades can vary due to time zone differences and bank holidays. The interest rate on borrowed funds must be considered when computing the cost of trades across multiple markets. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at IBKR.com. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction.